0: Om are Swati Namaha. Namaste. Namaste. Uh, this afternoon I was looking for the original book that I used to translate the Devi Gita. And I just happened to find it. And this is, this is what's left of my book that I used to, to translate. It was really a good book. Uh, in fact, this was the first of five editions that I have. Uh, and the others are very similar in condition. I just thought I'd show it to you if you like to see how what a well-read book is <laughs> looks like. Uh, uh, I had a copy of the Rig Veda that looked a little bit worse than that and I carried it for many years until it just sort of disintegrated in my hands, and I scotch-taped it back together again, and, and and sewed it, and taped it, and put it in many, and then uh, one devotee said, oh, could I please have that book? I said, well, I'll get you a new copy. Said, no, no, I want that book. Om Sam Sresvati Namaste. Tonight we're going to begin chapter one, and I see that we're on page 28 of the Devi Gita. Actually, if you are reading in the Devi Bhagavatam, I sort of cheated and I took the last, I think maybe 18 to 20 verses of chapter 28. And added them together in chapter 29. And then we have chapter one of the Devi Kita. Because really the question begins with Janamajai said. Remember Janame Jai, he's a, he's a really great character. Uh, Parikshit was the last king of the Kali Yuga. And Janame was the first king of I, I'm sorry, the, the, Pariksit was the last king of the Dwapar Yuga, and Janamejaya is the first king of the, of the Koli Yuga. And remember, Pariksit was guarding the kingdom, and he saw Koli coming. Uh, the age of darkness was approaching his kingdom, and he said, Uh oh. He drew his sword. He said, I'm not letting any Kali Yuga come into my kingdom. As long as I'm the king, I'm gonna, you can't come into my kingdom. And Kali took off running. And Pariksha took off running right behind him. And he drew his sword, and Kali fell down, and Pariksha was just about to strike him. And Kali said, Stop! I surrender! I won't come into your kingdom so long as you are king." Pariksit said, okay, I'll accept that. Kali said, give me some places to live where I can wait for you to exit the kingdom. And Pariksit said, you can live with gambling, you can live with deceit, and you can live with lust. That'll be the emblem of Kali and Kali said you know all of those places are very limited <laughs> that's not enough there's not enough lust in the world and there's not enough gambling and there's not enough deceit give me some other place to stay and Parikshit said all right you can live with gold and Kali said fine and Pariksit forgot that the crown on his head was made out of gold and Kali jumped onto the crown and took up residence. And as it would happen, the Pariksit was out hunting. And uh, he came to the Rishi's ashram. Actually, it was Rishi Shringa's ashram. Rishi Shring was in deep meditation. And Bariksha said, hey, hey, Rishi, I'm very thirsty. I've been chasing animals through the forest trying to kill them. Would you please get up from your meditation and get me a glass of water? Rishi was in deep meditation, didn't hear a word that he said. Bariksha said, ahem, ahem. I am the king, and I order you to get up from your meditation and bring me some water. I'm very thirsty, I'm hot, I'm tired, and uh, I want an immediate response. Rishi Sring didn't. Respond in the slightest. He, not one word entered into his ears. And Pariksha got mad. And then Kohli, who was on top of his crown, said, That's no rishi. That guy's faking it. He's ignoring you. He's purposely dis- showing you his disdain. He's not really in meditation. You shouldn't accept such an insult from a rishi. If the rishi start insulting the king, then what will be the the status of the kingdom? And Periksit looked over. He saw a dead snake lying on the ground. And he took his bow. And with his bow, he picked up that snake and he put it around the neck of the meditating mirishi. Pumph! And he rode off. Rishi Sringa's son came home from the forest with the other Rishi boys. And he looked at his father sitting in deep meditation with a dead snake hanging around his neck. And he said, oh, who? Dare to show such insult to my father, the greatest rishi, meditating in the forest for the welfare of the world. He's meditating and praying and sending blessings to everyone. And he took some Ganga water in his hand. He said, Whoever did this dastardly act will die from snake bite within seven days. And he threw the water. Well, the rishi woke up from his meditation and said, Son, the greatest attribute of a brahmin is forgiveness. You should never let such events get you upset. Don't leave your center. But now it is our duty to see what we can do to inform the king of his situation. So Rishi Shring sent a messenger to the king and said, King, uh, you've just been cursed to die of snakebite within seven days. King said, that's terrible. (laughs) What should I do? He called all the ministers. Ministers, what should we do? We've got seven days. And then I'm going to leave this earth? well, Ministers got together and said, quickly call all the architects and all the craftsmen and we'll build a great tower. And on top of the tower, we'll build a platform. And we'll take the king and we'll take the ministers and we'll all go up on top of the tower. And we'll ring the tower with with soldiers, shoulder to shoulder, so that not even a snake could come between them. No one could climb to the top of the tower. They immediately built the tower. And then they said, now what shall we do? And the king said, go to the Devi Mandir and bring Srima and let her recite the Bhagavatam, the Srimad Bhagavatam, the stories of the incarnations of Vishnu. Remember Vishnu, Krishna, Rishi, Kesha, Vashudeva, Janardana. All the incarnations of Vishnu will tell the stories. Srima in the form of Vedyas will come to the top of the tower, and they immediately, they circled the tower with soldiers shoulder to shoulder, and Srima and Obeda and, and all the other rishis and munis, they came, and, they, and the ministers and the king sat on his throne at the top of the platform on top of the tower, circled by soldiers, and they listened to the recitation of the Srimad Bhagavatam. For seven days, she recited the mantras of the Srimad Bhagavatam. And the king said, I'm enlightened. (laughs) It doesn't matter to me if the king of the snakes comes to me. It doesn't matter if I'm bitten by a snake. If it's God's will that I stay, I'll stay. If it's God's will that I go, I'll go. Whatever she chooses, that will be my destiny. Just at that time, it was the sunset of the seventh day. And the sun was just touching the horizon. And just about to set, he said, I surrender. And at that time touched the king of the snakes set off to the tower. And then he took and he disguised himself in the form of a brahmin, And he came to the captain of the guard and said, Captain of the guard, allow me to go to the top of the tower. Captain of the guard said, no, it's not possible. Maybe tomorrow you can go to the top of the tower, but the sun is just touching the horizon. It's almost sunset. And the king is just about to be liberated from the curse. I cannot allow you to go to the top of the tower. And the king of the snakes in the form of a Brahmin, said, We have been praying for the welfare of the king since we received the news of his imminent demise. At least we brought this basket of fruit. At the very least... Would you please send the prasad from our worship to the king? You know how inauspicious it is for a devotee to refuse the prasad of a worshipping Brahmin. Captain the guard said, Stop, let me ask the king. Captain the guard sent a messenger to the king. He said, King, some holy Brahmins have been praying for your welfare and the sun is just on the horizon and they brought this basket of fruit as a prasad and, can I bring it up? And the king saw the sun was sinking lower and lower into the, into the horizon, he said, Eva must do, let us enjoy the prasad from the worship of those holy Brahmins. They sent up the basket of fruit and they shared the fruit with all the rishis and the munis and the ministers and even Srima herself took a piece of the fruit and there was one apple left. And the king said, all right, let me cut this piece of apple and I will take a bite of the prasad from the meditating Brahmins. The king took the apple in his hand. He cut the apple in half. He discarded one part of the apple, and he looked, and he noticed there was a little dark spot in the apple. He said, that's curious. The spot started growing bigger and bigger and bigger until it became a little worm. And then it did, the worm jumped out and became a snake, and the snake jumped up and bit the king, and... Pariksit gave up his life. He died there, right on the spot, just as the sun was sinking into the western horizon. He died. Now his wife, the queen, was pregnant. And Janamejai was her son. And he never met his father. But as time went by, and he grew into a healthy and strong and noble prince, then he became the king of the kingdom. And one day, Genevieve Jai turned to his ministers and said, Ministers, tell me about my father. How did my dad die? What happened to him? And the minister said, You know, your father was cursed to die by snake bite. But he achieved liberation by listening to the Bhagavatam. And Janamejai said, Well, who was the snake that bit him? And they answered, touch the king of the snakes killed your father. And Jeremy Jai said, it is the duty of the son to avenge the death of his father. I hereby declare all snakes, Prasana nangat, they are all, they are all to be sacrificed in the great snake, Yajna. I don't remember how many of you were with us uh, when we visited uh, 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 Guptakashi. But there at Guptakashi, just down below, is the Havan Kund, where Janamejai performed the, the Mahan Sarjogya. And he sent out his soldiers all over the kingdom, and he said, Soldiers, capture every snake you find! Every snake you can possibly find, capture them and bring them to my yagya We will sing the mantras and throw them in the fire. We will eradicate snakes from the face of the earth. Well, the soldiers went around all the known world. They captured every snake they could find, and they brought them all to Guptakashi, and they brought them all to the great Yagya. And Janamejai presided over the Yagya, and he chanted the mantras, and he threw all of the snakes into the fire. Tuksh was terrified. <laughs> He's committing genocide. He's eradicating snakes from the face of this creation. Who can save me? Janame Jai, I, I, I'm sorry, Tuksh, went to Manasa Devi. Mm-hmm. And he said, Devi, proceed. Devi prapanarthi are proceed. Hey, please be pleased with me. Please, you save the snakes. It is not proper to eradicate an entire species from the face of the earth because of the wrongdoing of one individual. And it wasn't even wrongdoing, he was cursed. It was in fulfillment of the rishi's curse. Now, find a way to stop the yagya. Mauna Devi thought for a bit and then she called her son Astik Muni. And she said, Astik Muni. Muni of uh, the the highest realization, the highest unity. You're beyond all duality. You are Astik. You find a way to stop this yakya." Muni said, yes mother, (laughs) <laughs> uh, uh, Asdik uh, Muni went to Guptakashi where Janamejai was making this great Tharpiyagya burning all the snakes in a cool. He was radiating with the illumination of his tapasya. He was shining just because of all the sadhana that he was doing. He just had this glow of of realization about him. It was such a privilege to be in his presence. You could see the radiant aura of his light, just extending far, extending that radiant aura of light filling the heavens and the earth and the atmosphere. And Janamejaya said, Oh, holy Brahman, namaste, swagatani, ha-gach, he and he washed his feet, and he gave him an asan, and he gave him some food, and he gave him a cloth, and he gave it, and what seva can I do for you? And Astik Muni said, uh, King, you are committing genocide." You are eradicating an entire species from the face of this earth because of the wrongdoing of one individual. This is not a yajna that the gods will accept. This is not a propitiation of divine spirit. You are not uniting with divinity by slaying this entire species. So, if you want to do any seva for me, Stop this Yanya. Stop the Yanya. This is my Sankalp. This is my promise. <inaudible> ah, I have a promise to the, to the gods and I swore on the oath of my father that I will eradicate those who did such a dastardly, da- 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 a dastardly task as having slain my father. Astik said, That will not do. You have to find some way to complete this yajna without destroying the entire species of snakes. Janamejai said, How can I do that? And Astik Muni said, Go to the Devi Mandir and call Srima. <laughs> And let her recite for you the story of the Srimad Devi Bhagavatam. Let her recite the Devi Bhagavatam and within that she will explain to you the message of the Devi Gita. And you will be free from your Sankalpa and you will unite with the divine. And you will make an auspicious beginning to the next age of time to begin. And Janamejai said, evamastu. And with that beginning, so commences the Devi Gita. And Janamejai said, Gauri, Lakshmi, and Saraswati in ancient times were given by the Supreme Mother to Hora, Hori, and to the one who sits in the lotus of Hari's navel, that's Hora, is Shiva. Hori is Vishnu. Ha means the gross body. Ra means the subtle body. E means the causal body. Hori. Bra, Siva, Vishnu. And the one who sits in Hori's navel, well, we all know that. The guy who sits in the lotus in Hori's navel is Brahma. Brahma, Vishnu Mahesh. So Gauri, Lakshmi, and Saraswati were given by the Supreme Mother, that's Chandi, to Shiva, Vishnu, and Brahma. And I have heard that Gauri is also the daughter of Himalayas because she became Parvati. And she's the daughter of Daksha as well. She, has Sati, hey, she, this lady gets around. She's, she's round and round. She is the daughter of, of, of Himalayas. She's the daughter of Daksha. She was the wife of Shiva. She's with Parvati. How did this all come about? <laughs> How can she be in so many places?
1: I also remember that Mahalakshmi
0: is the daughter of the milk ocean, that shirish mudra. I remember she was born from... Sarabas Mahalakshmi, Friguna Panameshwari. She was the first and foremost of all the gods and goddesses. And then she was born again from the shirish mudra. When the gods and the asuras started making mantan of the milk ocean, then... She came out. If they all about evolved from the one goddess, tell me how they became the daughters of others. <laughs> Pretty good question. This seems to be impossible. Illuminate my doubts, O oh great wise one. With your sword of wisdom, cut my doubts to pieces. And Srima said... Bias, yes, uh, Srimah with a, a Dariwali. <laughs> she had quite a nice beard. She was dated Bias in that time. How did Srimah become Srimah when she was also made Bias? <laughs> Listen, O oh king, as I elucidate the secret which is supremely marvelous. There is nothing that may not be spoken of for the knowledge of a devotee of the goddess. You're devoted <laughs> I can't hide anything from you. The Supreme Mother gave the three goddesses to the three gods. Remember, she married Brahman Saraswati and Vishnu and Lakshmi and Shiva Andurga, Gori, and Durga, Gauri, Uma, Parvati, and all the other names by which she is known. And then those gods began performing the cycles of creation and other works. So remember, Brahma was the creator, and Vishnu was the protector, and Shiva was transforming everything that came to be. And once there was a time, O King, when the forces of, of, of duality, the Doityas, named Halhala, the deadly poison. Remember, they, made, they churned the milk ocean, and the Halhala came up, and all that, everything was covered with poison. And they, these uh, Ashuras, the Deutias, had great strength and prowess and immediately filled the three worlds with their light. So this is the poison came out of the ocean and started expanding itself and just it became so powerful and so much prowess and so much strength and so much illumination that they it, it, it expressed themselves throughout the three worlds. Their pride was great due to a boon given to them by Brahma. And with his own army, they conquered the king of mountains, Kailash. And then they took uh, Voikuntha as well. So uh, Brahma had given a boon to the halhala, to the poison. And they were so proud of that boon that no one had the strength to defeat them that they conquered Kailash. That Shiva's abode. They took over couldn't Vishnu's abode. And then they, the adversary of love, that Shiva. Remember, she burnt love. Huh? Uh, and the opponent of Koitaba, that's Vishnu. Remember, he cut off Koitaba, Maldu and Koitaba too much and too little. And he, he destroyed them. They became involved in the cycle of fighting. So Brahm, uh, Shiva and Vishnu started, joined the war. And for 60,000 years... they fought an incredible battle greatly exceeding others. Can you imagine we, we meditate for 15 minutes and say, oh, I'm tired. <laughs> we fight with our assurances for a half an hour and say, oh, I got a pain in the neck, I got to cramp in my foot, I got stuff to do that's more important, let's leave this business. 60,000 divine years they fought this incredible battle, shouting, ha, ha, hoo, hoo etc., etc., in great tones, both the armies of the gods and the Dhanavas engaged in tremendous effort until finally the Dhanavas were defeated. It's a big struggle. But the gods won with Shiva and Vishnu at their forefront. They, Shiva and Vishnu, went each to his own place with a feeling of pride for the victory in the encounter and each described to his own shakti how the gods accomplished the defeat. Hey girls, listen to the <laughs> stories of the battle. <laughs> huh? Hey, you would believe I was able to defeat them. When they, that's Gori and Lakshmi, the girls, learned of their husbands' pride from the encounter, they secretly laughed. What are you talking about? You defeated them? What nonsense! When Mahalakshmi and Gauri were seen laughing, then those two gods became uncontrollably angry, being thrust into the ignorance by Maya. So here's another example. Maya took over. Shiva saw Mohini and Maya took over. The gods, Shiva and Vishnu started telling, narrating the, their exploits in battle and saying, proclaiming their victory. And Maya took over. They got seduced by the dark side. <laughs> they forgot all about surrender and humility. And they became proud in proclaiming their own victory. They became abusive and offensive as their thoughts were flowing uncontrollably. So they started giving golly. <laughs> <laughs> ah, they started giving golly to their wives. You want to you, you make a, a war zone in your own living room? <laughs> Give golly to your wife. <laughs> as soon as you scold them... Uh, You're in trouble. Well, from this behavior, the two goddesses left them immediately. (laughs) Ah, that's a bimuk. Just like Parvati said, I'm leaving, Kailash. Do it my way or shut up. (laughs) I'm gone. I'm history. Again, they went inside and became unmanifest while all existence cried in agony. So Gauri and Lakshmi went inside. And they stopped being manifest. They became potential energy instead of kinetic. And as soon as there was no kinetic energy, everything stopped. The two gods became without light, without energy, bewildered and unconsciousness. Uh, they, from their pride, both Hori and Hara, that's uh, Vishnu and Shiva, they lost their Shaktis. Guys, listen to this story. <laughs> it happens again and again and again. If you abuse your Shakti, you become O-Shakti. If you become O-Shakti without energy, you become bewildered and confused and unconscious and incapable, poor me. I have no shakti. I have no inspiration. I have no motivation. What shall I do? What should become of me? And being perplexed with these problems, we find ourselves incapable of doing any meaningful action. Brahma became very anxious. What is this present circumstance? What's going on in my creation? Uh, Between the two principal deities, tell me, how have they become incapable of performing their functions? Vishnu and Shiva aren't working. They're just sitting around moping. (laughs) What is going to happen here? What's going on? What is the reason for this? Why are they not present? Why did they come to work today? <laughs> Will the entire universe dissolve into indistinguishable existence? Does this mean it's over? No Vishnu, no Shiva? No Lakshmi, no godi? <laughs> I don't know the reasons for this, nor what is feasible to be done. And thus, with great anxiety, he closed his eyes in contemplation. Let's think. What happened? What's the problem? What's the resolution? How do we find a solution? What's going to be done? And then he saw that the supreme energy's anger had arisen, and this was the cause. Don't make the goddess angry. Mm -hmm. The lotus one Brahma sought to be careful that creation did not cease, O excellent king. And then he began to perform all by himself those functions which were being neglected, namely preservation and destruction. Yet he was doing the creation, so now he had to create, preserve, and transform the entire... He had to do it all! Because the intense exertion of his energy, his time was absorbed in these activities, and they became his only austerity all he had time to do was run the ashram. It was enough that he could create and protect and transform everything. Now he had to do it all and who has time for Tapasya? Who has time for Sadhana? Uh, The whole responsibility fell, fell on Brahma's shoulders. To search how to gain Shiva and Vishnu's health again, he called his sons and invited those dharmic souls, Shanka, sanaka and others of truthful vows. Hey guys, come on to the Devi Mandir. We're going to powwow and we're going to figure out what can we do about this. How are we going to resolve these issues? And then he explained to them, Guys, I am so occupied by these worldly functions that I cannot engage in the performance of austerities. Where have you heard that before? Have any of you heard that before? I don't have time for Solomon. I have to create, protect, and transform this world. You proceed with the objective of pleasing their shaktis. While I continue the heavy lifting, the heavy work of this universe, Shiva and Vishnu have become negligent and inattentive because of the anger of the supreme energy. Do what is possible to make the supreme energy pleased performing difficult, extremely difficult austerities with devotion, gain them possession of their former state, united with their shaktis. So do whatever sadhana you can, whatever austerities you can, whatever tapasya you can, and make their shaktis pleased and bring them back into manifested existence. Now, my sons, increase your fame and importance in this world do the pujas every day, chant the chandi every day, I'll do the bookkeeping, I'll do the website, I'll take care of the emails. That family in which they take birth, Gauri, Lakshmi, and, 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 and Gauri, and Uma, or Parvati, whosever house in which they take birth, and he who gives them birth, Will be filled with energy. Can you imagine you're going to become the father of the Divine Mother? you become filled with energy. You become Shakti Man. You become the holder, the owner, the proprietor, the, the manifester of Shakti. And He Himself will obtain the objectives of all actions. Uh, that is Chaturpark. Dharma artha, kam moksha. You get Divine Mother to take birth in your house and marry with Shiva, marry with Vishnu, and you become liberated. The father of the Divine Mother. And Hearing these statements, Vyasa, hearing these statements of the great father, Daksha, and others, all the other kids, Daksha was one of them, uh, who were pure within all went into the forest with the desire to meditate on the supreme. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And thus ends the first chapter. (laughs) Okay, you got the picture now. Now, Brahma is busy creating and protecting and transforming the universe. Shiva and Vishnu are just sitting around moping. (laughs) I've got no shakti, I've got no energy, I've got no inspiration, I've got no motivation. I'm not doing nothing. Now, Brahma says to the kids, hey guys, rishis, munis, uh, go out into the forest and do tapasha and propitiate the Divine Mother. Whoever is strong enough and consistent enough and sufficiently uh, focused and sufficiently attentive and full of devotion, in that individual's house, the Divine Mother will take birth. Don't be losers. Gain the highest merit. Become the father of the Divine Mother. Make her pay attention to you, and you will become Shakti Man. You will become the holder of Shakti, the father of the Shakti. You get to give her in marriage to Shiva what a privilege what an honor what an accomplishment that is the value of your lives go do to I will take care of the ashram in your absence I'll take care of the creation I'll take care of all that has to I'll I'll go to Costco and bring home the groceries I'll cook them I'll feed you I'll take care of all that stuff you just do to pasha become fathers of the divine Itti
1: Let's see if there are any questions. Yes, please. We have a question from Nanda in San Jose. Namaste, Nanda Ma. What can the modern man and woman learn from the behaviors of the gods and goddesses in the stories of the Puranas?
0: Hori ananta, hori kotha ananta. It's infinite. The first thing you want to learn is don't piss off your Shakti. <laughs> don't get her mad at you. If you do, you're going to be paying for a long, long time, and it's expensive. <laughs> That's the first lesson. And if you're a girl and you want to don't get don't separate from Shiva. It's not appropriate to separate from Shiva. You will not be rewarded for our separation. Keep Shiva and Shakti together. Make a harmony, make a compromise, make something that works for everyone. And then go off as Daksha and all the other children of Brahma did and do Tupasha. And propitiate the gods and the goddesses and don't worry about what's in it for me. Think about how can I gain the best for the whole creation? I believe none of these are some of the lessons that we can learn from reading the puranas great stories Mm -hmm. but deep meanings sometimes it seems like uh in terms of partnership there's uh, if we we don't want to piss off our shaktis so if our shaktis tell us to do something and we don't feel like that that is our dharma then we're potentially going to piss her off and then we may lose our inspiration to some extent. How do we navigate ourselves through that sort of situation? Well, first of all, you want to be able to negotiate. Uh, If you can negotiate, uh, that will be the best uh, outcome for everybody. Let's see how we could make this work for all of us. Now, if you refuse to negotiate my Shakti, then I'm going to do it your way. I surrender. I don't want to live in a battle zone. I'll do it your way. We will receive the fruit of your karma as performed by me to the best of my ability. Within every individual, Shiva and Shakti are established. So you end up negotiating with yourself.
1: (laughs) I guess that's the lesson. I have a question. Please. So even even Shiva and Vishnu became deluded, even enlightened beings can become deluded, but do they recover faster than other people? Or can they fall just as far?
0: If they fought for 60,000 divine years, then how fast is that? (laughs) Why are you talking talking about time in terms of infinity? The fact that they did recover, that was sufficient in itself. Yes, if Brahma falls, if Vishnu falls, if Shiva falls, how about me? It's not going to happen. Wishful thinking. Even after Shiva drank the poison, and he saved the creation, his wife got on his case for saying, why did you say you did it? It was my Shakti that allowed you to do that. Why are you bragging about having accomplished the task? I did it. Through you. You were merely the vehicle for my performance. Why are you taking credit for yourself? want to hang around here anymore. I'm leaving Kailash. <coughs> that's what Parvati said. And she did. Uh, how she did it, oh, that's a whole other story. <laughs> we'll have to read the Swami Purana for that one. But she did. And she left the, the Kailash and, and Lakshmi left Vishnu and boykund And both the men were without shakti. And without shakti means they had no energy. They had no direction. They had no inspiration. They had no motivation. They had no capacity. And they didn't do anything. Brahma said, I've got to do it all. I am so busy doing it all. I don't have time for tapasya. This is my tapasya. This is my sadhana. (coughs) And so he said, Boys, Rishis, Munis, Sadhus, go and do tapasya. Do it to your heart's delight. Do it to the extent of your capacity. Propitiate Divine Mother and ask her to unite with Shiva. Ask Lakshmi to unite with Vishnu. And then, that will free me so that I can go back and do mantra japa and tap. Yes, please.
1: Yes, Bish. Well, um, in this in the story relating to our world today, and as human beings uh, trying to live a dharmic life, we see that the greater percentage of the world is in darkness. That the greater percentage of the world is totally overcome by maya. And even us are struggling against that. Is can we turn around this whole world by our uh, tapasya, let alone turn around ourselves? Can this world change as well? Uh, certainly, the entire universe can
0: change just because of one honest man. I mean, that was what Confucius taught us. he find one honest man, he can inspire an honest family. you find one honest family, they'll inspire the entire community. You inspire, find one inspired community and you'll find the city is, is taking over the inspiration and then the state and then the nation. And pretty soon you have a world of enlightened beings. We have no choice but to try. Or... I guess the choice would be to surrender and say, okay, I'll live in darkness too. Probably that's not the better decision. We have no choice
1: but to try. Yes, Adet. We have a question from Kusha in Argentina. Namaste, Kush. What is the difference between Krishna and Kali? Oh, there are many differences. Uh,
0: Krishna is the doer of all from the root creed. And Kali is the she who is beyond time, or she who takes away the darkness from the root call. And Krishna is a masculine form of uh, an avatar of Vishnu. And Kali is a feminine form who is an incarnation of the Divine Mother. So uh, the Divine Mother took the form of Mahakali, Mahalakshmi, Mahasaraswati. So they, they work together. There's only one god, there's only one goddess, they are in union, they are in in the harmony, but Krishna comes from the the Dwapar Yuga. And Kali, she was present for a long, much longer time, but she becomes more and more prevalent in the Kali Yuga, the age of darkness. So uh, they are different deities for different times with different functions. Uh, Kusha, you are one woman. When you uh, go to a ball, you wear a ball gown. And when you go swimming, you wear a swimming suit. Where you when you go to temple, you wear jeans. When you go uh, to a fancy place, you wear fancy clothes. You look different for every function you perform. He's
1: a man or
0: a man. I didn't ask. Put onto the Nand Kusha. Would you get sure? So then, I, I, Kusha, you look differently for every function that you perform. You have a different name, you have a different language, you have a different diction, you have a different way of speaking. You, you are called mother by your children and chi, uh, child by your mother. You are called sister or brother by your brothers and sisters. You are called uh, a, a friend by your friends. You have a different name. You have a different appearance. You have a different language. You have a different vocabulary. You... But you're one woman.
1: Chandehikucho.
0: <laughs> Kucha? Actually man. No, no. Okay. <laughs> well, you, you, so therefore, it's the one God has taken on the form of Vishnu, Krishna, Rishi, Kesha, Boshu Deva, Janardana, and Kali. And therefore, there there are certain subtle distinctions in history, in application, in language, in appearance, in uh, the stories that we tell about the gods and goddesses. But they are one individual manifestation of divinity. You manifest to take away, to illuminate all with happiness. I mean, that's the, the, the meaning of your name is, is she who illuminates all with happiness. Uh, and uh, 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 Krishna and Kali, uh, uh, Krishna does all the work, all the karma, all the activities of creation from creed to do, and Kali takes away all the darkness. Now, we only see the light when there's darkness. So when she takes away the darkness, she illuminates the light. Gauri, is she who is rays of light? She's the sister of Kali who is, takes away the darkness. Which is it? Are you illuminating the light or are you taking away the darkness? Now, in the same way, what is the difference between Krishna and Kali? Okay, you got me. I give up. Yes, please, Grantham. Swami uh, here uh, we see that when
1: uh, Shiva is without Shakti, Purusha, Prakriti, there's lifelessness, lack of energy. If there is Shakti without Shiva, what would characterize that?
0: We would call that fully potential energy. It's the energy stored in a battery. Shiva is Shavrup. He is merely the witness of the actions of Shakti. Shakti is a production. Prataksh- she is, uh, she is unmanifest. <clears throat> she is like the energy in the battery. You can't see it. You got to attach something to the battery which gets a dope. And then it moves. Uh, so uh, she becomes totally cons- consumed by herself. Totally uh, one within her own self. Instead of kinetic energy, which is being manifest all the time, she becomes potential energy. Shiva, instead of being the witness of the actions, there's no actor. He becomes shavrup.
1: Yes, please. We have a question from (laughs) Ambika.
0: Namaste Mm Ambika.
1: Namaste Sham. When life is hard, and we feel like we are losing the battles, and even the great tones of ha-ha are not enough, How do we find the energy involved to feel worthy? Thank you. Say it louder.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Ha ha. Hoo hoo. Call on God with the sincerity of someone who really wants God to appear. It's not enough for us to have an intellectual love affair. We want to love with all our heart, with all our sincerity, with all our passion. Uh, that reaching the state of dispassion is not our goal. It's to become extremely passionate about our worship. I'm calling God. I'm worshiping my, my deity. I'm worshiping my, my, my life with the sincerity, with the focus, with the attentiveness of ha ha. <laughs> so I- I- in greater and greater intensity we must make job of what a privilege it is for us to experience all that is necessary to experience while we're experiencing it so that we can get beyond this past karma, so that we can get to the new karma which I'm cultivating today, the seeds of which I'm cultivating today, the fruits of which I will be harvesting tomorrow. Let us prepare for the great harvest of the future. Cultivate the proper seeds, and you'll know what kind of fruit you're going to harvest. Right now, we are dismayed to see the fruit that we're getting today. We're getting that, unfortunately, because we get to enjoy the fruit of our karma, whether we like it or not. And knowing that we're going to enjoy it, whether you want to or not, then we better be careful that the rest of the time when we're not enjoying the old stuff, we better be cultivating new stuff, the fruits of which we will be pleased to receive. Um, Ambikad, that's the best sol- resolution I can possibly offer. How do we re- How do we regard the, the past karma? Whoa, thank God it's gone. <laughs> how do we regard the future karma? I know what seeds I'm cultivating today and as I sow, so shall I reap. This is the law of karma. And I believe in karma. So therefore, Kri means do and Pa means get. And the Kripa, the grace, is what you do, is what you get. And once you remember that, we're free. This doesn't bother me so much because I know that today I'm sowing good seeds. Tomorrow I'm going to be eating delicious fruit. And I can put up with the bitterness of the fruit that I'm receiving today because I know that tomorrow this too shall pass.
1: Yes, please. We have a question from Srini.
0: I'm Mr. Srini
1: Baba. Namaste. I'm holding your Hi, wife Shrini. hostage. <laughs> How does verse 26 about the mother taking birth relate to our journey as sadaks?
0: you're
1: <laughs> asking specific verses. This is a job for
0: glasses. Number 26, how does it relate to? Our journey as Sadakas. As such. Uh Verse 26? Oh, I'm in the wrong chapter, I think. <laughs> well, all else fails? There you are. Do you know in that family in which the Divine Mother will take birth, we all, the whole family rejoices when even one individual becomes a perpetual worshiper of the Divine Mother. The whole family rejoices. The whole family is filled with inspiration, with, with a renewed vigor, with a total new energy, with an inspiration and a motivation. They don't become like lethargic Shiva and Vishnu just hanging around waiting for something to happen. They become, they take responsibility to make that worship manifest. And they make life into a consistent series of festivals and it's a celebration and every you know being hindu there's a, a there are 13 festivals in 12 months <laughs> <laughs> and that you got to keep you on your toes <laughs> because no sooner do you complete the next festival than you start preparing for the ne- the one after and that becomes the life of the family in whose home The Divine Mother energy takes birth. If she becomes manifest in your family, just like you have a Rami Mami there. And I'm borrowing her for right now. But you have her there, and she does the puja and she makes the prasad and she gathers the flowers and she does the, she keeps us focused on the next puja that has to be done. And life becomes one consistent revolution of festivals. It's, life becomes a ceremony, of, a celebration of the festivals, or all the ceremonies that allow us to demonstrate our love for God. And that's what happens in the family in which the Divine Mother takes birth. Now, in this story, we're going to find out tomorrow night, Daksha Prachapati, he was most inspired by this opportunity. He said, I'm going to capitalize on this opportunity. I want to be the father of the Divine Mother. I'm gonna do the most strictest, disciplined tapasya that could possibly be offered. And I'm going to request the Divine Mother to take birth with me.
1: Yes, please, Vish, go ahead. Uh, Some devotees uh, asked us uh, on the club a question, what is the best day of the week to worship Divine Mother uh, for the most auspicious effect?
0: Today. (laughs) And if you can't do it today,
1: then tomorrow. (laughs) Next. (laughs) (laughs) We, We have a question from Julia. Namaste, Julia, Ma. It seems Ma likes drama in heaven and earth, some conflict, some friction. So don't we get to be instruments of peace via this drama?
0: Oh, if you can, then you've won. you won. <laughs> if you are able, Julia, then you've really demonstrated that the the sincerity of your power of being maintaining your center and being unwavering from your center is fixed and steadfast. You are absolutely right. Oh, ec, ec, cunt. Do alam, teen char haram. <laughs> it's a very, very famous sadhu poem. <laughs> it says one is the bliss of solitude. And two is very comfortable, because one person can stay with what you've got while the other one goes off to get some more. <laughs> Three is politics. Every decision requires a vote. <laughs> And four is complete chaos because it's two against two and there is always a conflagration. A conflagration. There is always conflict. Now, if, as soon as there's duality, there's a conflict. There's a centrifugal force and a centripetal force. And there are different forces moving in, in different juxtaposition to one another. I mean, that's the nature of the nature. It's mathematically impossible to have two without having friction. And as soon as you have friction, there's going to be a little bit of heat. <laughs> and if you can't stand the heat, get out of the kitchen. <laughs> so it, it, it's true that when Shiva is Sada and he's totally alone and enclosed within himself and totally consumed in that samadhi of being in perfect union with his own self. There is no friction, there is no conflict, there is no duality. As soon as mother appears and there is maya, then there is duality. Then there is a centrifugal and a centripetal force. Then there is friction. Then there is heat. Then there is conflict. And mother, by her very definition of the word, she loves
1: conflict.
0: (laughs) She is conflict. You can be Shiva all the time.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) You be Shiva all the time. Free from the conflict. Let her do what she wants. Okay, mom, you want a conflict? Have a conflict. No, no, (laughs) contender. no contest here there's no competition all i want is to surrender as quickly as possible here's the dotted line please feel free to cut at any time and take that head and put it in your hand and i will be most pleased to stay there as long as you choose just don't give it back to that, me
1: that is the main purpose to do puja
0: that is the main purpose to do puja to remove ourselves from conflict, to make ourselves Shiva all the time. Om Sam Sresvati Namahasana